just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. It could be just a few weeks before the resorts open for winter. And whether or not you do ski or snowboard, we all know the season brings canyon traffic. Or as Utahns like to call it, the red snake. So what can we expect from the ski bus this year? And what does it mean for taxpayers who don't ride it or don't want to fund the gondola? It's Monday, November 6th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Russ Fox, you direct planning for the Utah Transit Authority. Now, last winter, we saw videos of skiers waiting to board extremely packed buses getting left behind. It felt like chaos trying to get up the mountain. This is the second year that UTA has reduced ski bus service. What's the game plan for this winter? What should we expect? So this year, we've been working very closely with the resorts. Um, One of our commitments earlier this year was to As soon as the ski season was over, we started working really closely with the resorts. We pulled them all together, um, just kind of heard their issues and working on ways that we could collaborate together on on ways to kind of improve our capacity on the buses because we knew that our shortage was uh, still ongoing. So we, we let them know upfront and early. And we've had probably a series of five different meetings with all of the resorts coming up with different solutions and things like that. Their primary concern was the employees and getting the employees up the mountain because collectively, you know, Snowbird has probably the most uh, employees and getting them up and down the mountain. So we were working really closely with them on, on what that solution would be. So we're opening up capacity on the buses for the ski resorts to kind of operate their own employee shuttle service. Oh, okay. Yeah, so what they'll do and then um, also Uh, for them to operate. We've opened up our capacity for van pools for them. What does that look like? I'm curious, like, are they funding it? Are they providing drivers? How does that shake out? So for the van pools, they're incentivizing their employees. So for an example, some of the resorts are, you know, if you you drive a van pool, you get additional, I don't know if it's additional pay or whatever. If you take the shuttle up, we'll provide you breakfast. And, you know, so there's a Mm. couple of those things that we're doing. As far as that funding mechanism, without getting into too much detail of how this works, but each of the ski resorts, they pay fares for the season pass holders. Um, what we are doing this year is uh, we base it off of their fares that they had collected for last year, and we're providing them a credit. Hmm. So what's happening is there's going to be a credit so they can apply that money to uh, hiring a, an employee shuttle. Okay. Yeah, so that's what... Um, uh, that's what a couple of the resorts are doing. Go ahead. So wait a minute. <laughs> so UTA is providing a credit to the resorts, not the resorts forking over more money to fund this service. 
Correct. And we're not providing them money. What we're doing is we're crediting them. So normally what would be, you know, for an example, for their season pass holders, they have to activate their tap card. And every time Mm. they get on the bus, then we would charge the ski resorts a fare for that. So at a negotiated price, whatever that was. So what we're doing this year is that as they get the taps, then they will get a credit or basically we won't be charging them the fares is the best way for me to describe it. So what that does is that frees up resources for them to go and buy this shuttle service to contract with it. So that, yeah, so that is to increase that capacity is, is one of the things that we're doing to help with the resorts. I gotta say, like, as a taxpayer who doesn't ski, I think that's actually pretty nice of UTA because these resorts are private owned entities that print cash. So does that mean that in some indirect or direct way, I am helping to subsidize this transit option for them? No, because the money that is basically it would be money that would be coming in from the users. So Mm, zero of our operational costs, zero of our tax funded money is going to the ski resorts. Okay. I think that's an important clarification. Thank you. Yeah. So zero of that one, because you're right, it's a private entity and, you know, our job is not to to fund a private entity for those types of things. But it is a way for us to to provide this, you know, one, the capacity and two, to um, to get their employees up and down the canyons. So that's that's one of the ways that we look at it. So, again, that's how that that base contract is working. Yeah. One of the things that's interesting to me about the ski bus is, I mean, you know, of course, the days when it gets the most use or the days when it feels the most chaotic are the big snow days. Like not every day of the winter is an incredible ski day, especially as the years go on and we're more impacted by climate change and unpredictable seasons. How are you all thinking about surges? One of the things we have as an advantage for this year is we will surge that service uh, Mm. when it's available. So uh, we do what's called ghost buses. So they won't always be available all the time, but as we have that ability to surge our service on those big days, on powder days, on big holidays, things like that, it's not the frequency, but you will have the um, more capacity of the buses. So we will surge those buses to try and pick up those additional passengers and things like that, the skiers as they're, as they're going up the canyon. So that's, that's the additional component that we're adding to the service. Less skiers left behind. Yes. <laughs> the other thing I was just going to add for this is that we're also going to be doing our larger buses. They're a 40-foot mm-hmm. Gillig bus that has the ability to, to go up and down the canyons and things like that. So we'll be providing those as well. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. 
You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Okay, I do want to talk about resources because it feels like in any sector in Utah right now, staffing is a conversation. We've been experiencing a bus driver shortage for a while now, and its I know it has impacted the way that UTA is prioritizing routes. Friend of the show and public transit enthusiast Mike Christensen recently tried to apply to be a bus driver. He noted some deeper issues when he tried to apply. How is UTA planning around the bus shortage, the bus driver shortage, and working to recruit new drivers? There's a couple of things that we've, we've done. So all of our bus drivers and maintenance workers are union. So we just renegotiated the collective bargaining agreement with the union. Okay. That included pay increases, uh, better pay to be more competitive, for one. And number two is operator conditions. Um, things such as right now, in order to maintain our service right now, we're, we're pushing our, our drivers pretty hard. And so what we're trying to do is, as we're getting new people on, to improve those conditions for them to where people aren't being forced to do as much over time and things like that in order to keep the system up and operating. So those are two things that we're doing. For one, just for the existing retention of employees, uh, we've done what's called an, an early onboard system. So which what that does is that allows people to, as they're going through all their training and as they're getting all the things that are need to be completed in order to be a driver, um, I'm not exactly sure because I think before we had the early onboarding system, I wasn't at UTA, so I can't <laughs> fully explain. I don't know if they were necessarily getting paid. There's, they were waiting for like the training, if that makes sense. Uh, we, mm -hmm. we have classes of, and so what would happen is someone who would get a job offer, they'd have to wait X number of weeks before they started getting paid. So what we did is like, we'll make you a job offer, you accept it, you know, you start certain trainings and things like that. And, you know, so basically once you get hired, you're now working for the UTA, you work for the company. And that's been really, really helpful for us. Our retention has been much better because we would, we would hire people and then they would be like, well, I'm not going to stick around and wait. I'm going to go get another job. 
So that retention has increased. And then we've been doing a lot of work with national recruiting companies. Uh, so our reach is pretty far and wide. And then we have a program that's uh, English as a second language. It's a pretty cool program that we just did. We had our first graduating class recently where people who under an ESL program, they get taught English in order to and then become a bus driver. We had 15 people who had applied for that and 10 graduated. So it's actually a really cool program that we're pretty excited about that it's, you know, it's now adding additional opportunities for, for more employees. So yeah. I think we're making progress. We're doing better. It's, we've got a long ways to go, but um, you know, we're, we're hopeful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hear you saying that one of the things that came out of union contract negotiations is improved conditions. Can you be a little more specific? Like what, what kind of condition improvements are we talking about here? I think there was like additional holidays. I don't know all the specifics. So I can't tell you 100% everything, but this is kind yeah. of what I recall is like vacation pay. But probably some of the bigger things are really just that time that you you have to work, you know, trying to improve those conditions as far as like not, not as much overtime and splitting up the work as we need to. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that it feels like these improvements are already starting to make an impact. Do you have a bit of a progress update? Because I'm seeing that as of August 24th, the agency had 101 open operator positions out of 864 total positions. So like an eighth basically open a little over that. Have we seen these positions being filled? Yeah. So we have the last numbers that I just got this morning. They're showing that we're getting into the positive, which is, okay. which quite honestly is what we need in order for our ski service. Cause those things will start happening in December or actually we'll be starting November 26th this year. So um, we'll have enough employees or enough operators to maintain our existing service and then add on to the ski service and then do some of the surge. So yeah. it, we are on an upper trend and it, it's looking better. One thing just to kind of note is, you know, ski was not the only service that was impacted last year by everything we did. It was a total of 18 routes that were impacted by changes that we had to make. So there are year round routes uh, that are currently at a reduced service. So we'd like to get those restored uh, as soon as possible. Well, I mean, I think we can all agree whether or not you're a skier or a hiker, even just from, you know, the whispers, traffic up the canyons is a big problem. And the state has indicated that it is willing to spend big, big money on a gondola. When we're looking at solutions, what should we be prioritizing? I mean, you're a planner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... the. It's one of those that for everything that's that's happening up and down the canyon, one one item to note is that that's that's kind of UDOT's gig, um, is the best way for me to describe it in the sense that, you know, that's their EIS. Yes, we partnered with them, and yes, we provided uh, a lot of information for them, and yeah, the state's gonna is willing to invest a lot of money, and we'll just kind of see what happens as far as like what that service is gonna be. Uh, right now, so maybe too much weeds, but we do a five-year service plan every two years that looks at what our future service needs are. And currently, the enhanced bus and everything going up and down those canyons is not included in our five-year service plan. 
Now we are going to start updating that next year, so we'll we'll have to see whether or not that shows up on how that's going to work. Right now, we do provide, you know, our our commitment is to provide the service up and down those canyons, but the enhanced bus service, you know, who who knows what that will be in the future. Whoa, okay, because I think a lot of Salt Lakers were kind of, I mean, ranging from grateful to see that as a piece of the gondola plan all the way to hoping that enhanced bus service would be so good that it would mitigate the problem altogether and we wouldn't need a gondola long-term at all. I'm surprised to hear you say that at current, it's not even in the five-year plan. And again, it's because that EIS didn't complete until this year. So we'll start our update for next year. So we'll have to just kind of wait and see what that looks like for that first phase. Because, you know, I mean, one of the the hard parts is that, you know, unless somehow if we can't get some way to get that traffic reduced in the canyon, our buses sit in the same traffic. Yeah. And I remember for a while the idea of a bus lane, like a bus-only lane, was kind of on the table. But that's off the table now, correct? I can't remember if it's in phase two. Might not be in phase two, but in the first phase, I think it's just a matter of looking at that enhanced bus and... Yeah, just deal with the mobility hub, and then they're going to do whatever that tolling is. And um, one of the things that will help us as that continues is the bus stops. Right now, the way the bus stops work is we actually go into the resorts, but if we have a bus stop system that that we can unload right off of the road, that's going to be a huge improvement for us as well. So that's why that's in that first phase. Again, I mean, I am really naive about this because I don't ski. I think in the six years I've lived in Utah, I've driven up either little or big cottonwood in the winter once to meet a friend to say hi up at up at Alta. Um, I had completely assumed for years that the bus was just dropping people on the road outside the resort. I did not know it was door-to-door service. <laughs> yeah, it's um, and that's that's one other thing I will just say that we are working, you know, part of our agreement with the ski resorts is for them to help us get our buses out of the parking lots because they drive into the parking lots. God, yeah. And the parking lots are kind of a party zone too, so there's just a lot to navigate. Right. Huh. Right. That's so we need we need assistance to get those get those buses out. But the way the way that it is set up right now is that the way the roads are is that you can't really dump people off on the on the side of the road because there's not a good trek system to get them down to the actual resorts. And that's part of the improvements that that is part of that phase one. Um, uh, you know, there's there's the four components that are included with that. And so those bus stops off the side of the road would be something that'll be a huge, huge help. Okay. Well, for anyone listening who is new to Utah or learning to ski or sick of sitting in red snake traffic, wants to hop on the bus this year, any tips for skiers or snowboarders? The biggest thing is, is um, get there early, get a plan. You can track kind of where the buses are and how things are going. We have a transit app, and then we are putting together a, you know, how to ski bus. Um, So we'll get that posted up on our website as well to kind of help those that will be be up. Oh, great. We'll share that um, in our newsletter as soon as that's up. And what's the app called? If I'm looking for it in the app store, what's it called? Transit. Transit. Just transit app. It's just transit app. It's it's easy to remember. It's it's a green and it's got like this little, almost like a little upside down S. Good stuff. Russ Fox, hey, thank you so much for your time, for taking questions. I appreciate it. Not a problem.
In other transportation news, I finally had a why is this entire city under construction? Oh my God, meltdown the other day. And I know what you're thinking. Gee, Allie, how did it take you so long? <laughs> you seem like a real meltdown gal. But here's some good news. Salt Lake City has an accounting of all its ongoing street construction projects, and you can visualize them and their timelines on one landing page. It's called slc.gov mystreet, and it even has pictures, and it calmed me. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We will be back tomorrow morning with more from around this city. Bye.